0: Hello from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. This is the Nick Zentner Geology Podcast, Episode 24, The Olympic Peninsula. Thanks for listening. All right, let's say you're in downtown Seattle and you're going to watch some baseball. The Seattle Mariners at Safeco Field. Oh, no, it's called something else. Whatever it's called now, whatever the park is called. You're up on the third floor, the third deck, and the upper grandstand. You're in the cheap seats, and you go out to get a beer and a hot dog and some cracker jacks and some whatever else. And you're um, you're drinking that beer, and you're looking west. Let's say it's a beautiful summer evening. You're looking west from downtown Seattle, and you're up high, and you're looking over the water of Puget Sound. And there's a big old mountain range to the west of downtown Seattle. To the west. And the sun is starting to set behind that rugged mountain range. Beautiful night. How many people know that they're not look? How many people looking at that mountain range realize those aren't the Cascades, number one. Those are the mountains of the Olympic Peninsula. Those are the Olympic Mountains. And how many of those folks realize that there's no volcanoes in the Olympics? Mount Olympus, the high point in the Olympic Peninsula, is made out of sedimentary rock, metamorphic rock, no igneous rock at all in the heart of the Olympic Peninsula. So why are those mountains there? Mount Olympus has never erupted? That's true. Really? It's got snow and ice on it. It even kind of looks like a Cascade volcano. It's not. And that's our topic today. Why do the Olympic Mountains exist? How did they form? What does their development tell us about what's been going on tectonically along the American West Coast? That's our game today. Glad you're listening to it. So back uh, 30 years ago when I started teaching geology, and I was not... Here, yeah, my first teaching job was in Southern Ohio, of all places, Miami of Ohio, Oxford, Ohio, where our first child was born, and um, I was teaching about the West. I was actually missing the West when I was in Ohio. Much of my content was from the American West. I'd learned stuff in grad school in Idaho, and and I I taught about the Olympic Peninsula. I still have the diagrams and the notes from that lecture. And I still use those basic concepts. Um, The Olympic Peninsula is something called a subduction complex. And you know the word subduction. That means an ocean plate is diving beneath another plate. And you know that subduction leads to volcanism. In last episode, we talked about that volcanism. The subduction of the Juan de Fuca Plate is directly responsible for the magmas, that eventually erupt out of the Cascade Volcanoes. There's a one-to-one correlation, in other words, for the north-to-south size of the Juan de Fuca Plate and the north-to-south length of the Cascade Volcanic Arc. But there's this secondary mountain range between the Cascades and the ocean, and it's called a subduction complex. Why does it form? It's related to subduction. Hell, it's called a subduction complex, and yet it's not a magma story. The reason is our subducting plate is not deep enough to generate magma. Can you picture this? Can you picture a tectonic profile of an ocean plate diving from left to right? As it goes right, it goes deeper and deeper. As it goes west to east, it's going deeper and deeper, and eventually it's generating magmas to the, to the east of Seattle. Hope you can follow this. That's the Cascades. Cascades. But west of Seattle, closer to the trench, closer to the ocean plate itself, that subducting ocean plate is at shallow levels, not deep enough to generate magmas. Therefore, the Olympics are not a magma story. A subduction complex in general, and this is what I taught 30 years ago, is an accumulation of deep-sea sediment. The ocean floor is full of mud and the mud is riding on this moving ocean plate. The ocean plate itself is made out of basalt, the crust. So the question is, what happens to that thick accumulation of deep-sea sediment that's riding on the oceanic plate and approaching the oceanic trench? Does all that mud go down the tubes with the subducting plate? In other words, do we actually subduct the ocean sediment and have it, I don't know, uh, contribute to the magmas beneath the cascades? Or is there another choice? There is another choice, and the correct answer is B. The ocean sediment does not go down with the subducting plate. There's no space for it to go down with the subducting plate. Instead, in the oceanic trench, that deep-sea sediment is scraped off of the oceanic plate And added, wadded up and added to the leading edge of the other plate. This is a major change for us. A major new idea that we will continue to use for the next few episodes. Taking material from one plate and actually adding it to the other. Talk about razzle-dazzle. Come on now. We're getting fancy. Mm. Episode 24. Bring it. That's right. We're transferring material. And the origin of that sedimentary and metamorphic rock in the Olympic Peninsula is mostly sedimentary and metamorphic rock that originated as deep-sea mud on the other plate, on the oceanic plate. So you've heard words like melange or accretionary wedge, perhaps. Uh, There's other names, too. It's not worth getting into it. The concept is subduction complex it's a complicated pile of different generations of originally deep sea mud that was scraped off the downgoing oceanic plate and added in this case to the continental north american plate so back 30 years ago when i gave this lecture i just said look it's very simple the entire olympic peninsula is just a bunch of sediment Uh, that was originally on the ocean floor and now has been compacted, almost like in a trash compactor. And uh, you keep adding to the bottom of the pile, so this violates the rule of superposition. And the, the youngest addition to this subduction complex is the deepest levels. And you continue to kind of pile up this material. To make the Olympic Peninsula in Washington, and uh, also for the Coast Range of Oregon, which I know less about. Okay, so there's something called that I call the Big Three. Then, the Big Three three different landforms that are all together. If we go from west to east, we go subduction complex. That's the Olympic Peninsula, forearc basin. That's Puget Sound in Washington. And Volcanic Arc, that's the Cascades. Now here's where the students in class are feverishly writing things down, even though we've already discussed most of it. But they want to get it all down. God bless them. Oh, he said God. Oh, Lord, he said God in that geology podcast. Did you hear him? Relax. What's the big three? Subduction Complex, Four Arc Basin, Volcanic Arc. In Washington, that's the Olympic Peninsula, The Puget Sound and the Cascades. Got it? Now, the important point is that any time in the world that we have an oceanic versus continental convergent plate boundary, do you remember that from a while back? Convergent means the plates are colliding. If we take ocean crust and collide it with a continental crust block, we're gonna get subduction, fine. We're gonna get volcanism, fine. We're gonna get major great earthquakes, fine. Fine, 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 fine. But the new idea is that we're gonna get the big three forming every time. We're gonna get the subduction complex near the trench, a four arc basin, which is just a low area, and then a volcanic arc further inland. That's big because if we can find the big three in other places in the world, we know what type of plate tectonic situation we have. Where the Pacific Plate is subducting beneath Alaska, there's a big three. Kodiak Island is a subduction complex before you get to the volcanic arc of the Aleutians. And I'm leading you into this. If you've got a computer handy, pull up California. Get Google Maps. Get California. Get a nice raised relief thing going. Or even the satellite image would be fine. Isn't California odd-looking? Like, physiographically, isn't California pretty weird? Like, most most states have kind of a look to them. You know, Nebraska, flat. Illinois, flat. Florida, flat. Colorado, mountains on the west, flat on the east. But look at California. If you just talk about the whole state of California, what do we have? We have a subdued mountain range along the west coast of California. Hollywood Hills, the hills around San Francisco. The streets of San Francisco And then in the middle of California, there's this broad, flat, monotonous valley called the Great Valley, San Joaquin Valley, Sacramento Valley, etc. And then in eastern California, big mountain range. Do you see what I'm doing here? California as a whole has the big three. The Coast Range of California is the four Arc Basin. The Central Valley of California is the four Shit. Sorry. Sorry for the foul mouth also. Let's try it again. The Coast Range of California is the Subduction Complex. The Great Valley of California is the four Arc Basin. The Sierra Nevada Mountains, the big mountains in eastern California, used to be a volcanic arc but is no longer active. I'm doing something pretty big right now. Are you catching wind of it? If not, let's spell it out. What evidence do we have that the Farallon plate used to be huge? What evidence do we have that the Farallon plate used to subduct beneath all of California 40 million years ago? Do you remember that from two episodes ago? What evidence do we have? The answer is we have a big three in California. And the reason we have a big three in California is because there used to be subduction of the Farallon Plate. I just said earlier in this episode, that sounded snotty, I didn't mean it to sound snotty, I said earlier in this episode that the only way we make the big three, subduction complex, four arc basin, volcanic arc, is to have an ocean plate subducting beneath the continent. Well, if California has today a big three, That's evidence of the Farallon Plate subducting for a long time. But is the Farallon Plate subducting anymore in in Central and Southern California? The answer is no. Therefore, why do we still have a Big Three? Well, it's a Big Three in California that is dead. It's a dead Big Three, not an active Big Three, meaning the volcanoes that used to stand and erupt in Eastern California are no longer there. They're ghost volcanoes. And the underlying magma chamber that fed those active cones prior to 20 million years ago are now the uplifted granites and granodiorites of Yosemite and the rest of the Sierra Nevada Mountains. Isn't this cool? I love this. And the geology in the coast ranges of California, above Los Angeles, above San Francisco, It's a messy accumulation of stuff that got scraped off of the ocean plate and got added to the North American plate, a la the Olympic Peninsula in Washington. Oregon has the same thing. Oregon has a Big Three, but its Big Three is active because the Juan de Fuca plate is still subducting. So the Coast Range of Oregon, the Willamette Valley of Oregon, and the Cascades of Oregon are part of the active Big Three. God, this is beautiful. We can look at California and look at our past and look today in the Pacific Northwest and still see an active subducting plate. But you know what we can do now, don't you? When we eventually end the subduction of the Juan de Fuca Plate in the Pacific Northwest, and why would we be doing that? Well, North America is eventually gonna cross over the rest of the East Pacific Rise. North, America's, North America is going to finish crossing the finish line in this 100-yard dash. If you're confused, go back a couple episodes. When North America, when the sprinter finally finishes crossing the finish line, when North America continues the job of completing uh, its crossing of the East Pacific Rise, the Cascades will go away as well. And our Big Three will be dead as a doornail, just like the Big Three is dead down in California. And yes, there will be a massive San Andreas Fault going all the way from Mexico to Alaska. I love this lecture, and it works if you can visualize these places and then also have the ability to connect to a couple prior lectures. But if you're on top of your game and can do that, I just did that quickly because I've done it for so long, uh, and it's easy for me to say, and those phrases just roll right off my tongue, but it's a fun way to visualize what's going on with the Olympic Peninsula. Feeling okay? Now, that's the major message, but starting about 10 years ago, I realized that there was more to the Olympic Peninsula than simply uh, sediment being scraped off the ocean floor. That's still part of the story, especially the western half of the Olympic Peninsula is nothing but a melange or an accretionary wedge or a bunch of stuff that's come in. There's a lot of reverse faults and other kind of scattered structures that talk about that ongoing Accumulation of garbage off of the ocean floor as the subduction continues. But the remainder of this episode kind of takes a left turn. Still talking about the Olympics. Still talking about stuff coming in on the oceanic plate. But you ready for a a little uh, asterisk? I never say that word properly. Asterisk? -er Axerisk? That's a big asterisk you got there. There's some basalt in the Olympic Peninsula, and not a minor amount. Uh, If you can look at a map of the Olympic Peninsula, let me narrate where there's a bunch of basalt. Now, basalt is lava rock, right? So now I am talking about a volcano. So do you see why this is potentially confusing? We laid out the basic idea of the Big Three and its subduction complex being not a volcano story. And now I'm finishing this episode saying, well, by the way, actually, there is a healthy immu- a- a- accumulation, There, there is a healthy amount of basalt making up a portion of the Olympic Peninsula. And here's where that basalt is found. There's basalt outcroppings in the Port Angeles area in fact all along the southern shore of the Strait of Juan de Fuca that basalt continues in major amounts along the west coast of Hood Canal and heads down towards Olympia so what I've tried to describe to you is where the crescent basalt is found and on a map the Crescent Basalt, the Crescent Formation, which is about 56 million years old, is found pretty much Port Angeles, down to Squim, down to Olympia. Crescent Formation Basalt. Now, how does that fit into what we just did with the Olympic Peninsula? Because basalt is volcanic. Here's the answer. And it's a story that's really emerged in the last 15 years, I'd say. And at least in my mind and in my um, teaching has become a major player in uh, the last five years or so. You ready? We're going to talk about something called selezia Have you heard of it before? selezia Now, this I'm going slowly because this is a major change for us in topic And one of the last major topics of this Geology 101 series of podcasts. Hang with me. Here we go. 56 million years ago, there was an enormous island that was constructed quickly. And it was an island in the ocean. (laughs) Aren't all islands in the ocean? It was an island that was massive. Think the big island of Hawaii or think Iceland. Either of those work. Big old shield volcanoes, a huge chocolate gumdrop built off of the ocean floor quickly 56 million years ago. If you look at that massive amount of basalt, it's 14 times the volume of all of the basalt of the Cascades. Of all the basalt, try that again. Celestia has 14 times the volume of basalt than all of the Columbia River basalts put together in eastern Washington and eastern Oregon. We emphasize that the flood basalts in eastern Washington and eastern Oregon were a lot of basalt. But when you compare it to the amount of basalt in Celestia, it's not even close. 14 times the volume of basalt, a large igneous province called Celestia. Many geologists, not all, now believe that that Cilicia was created quickly because the Yellowstone hotspot was out in the Pacific 56 million years ago. So, off the coast of northern California, we have the ho- the Yellowstone hotspot. The Yellowstone hotspot is burning a hole in the ocean plate. It's creating a giant island called Celecia. And here's the finishing part of the story if you're getting uh, fatigued. That huge Silesia Island is slowly going to get drifted to the northeast. It's going to start heading towards Washington and Oregon because that's the direction of the oceanic plate at the time. But what are we doing? We're bringing an ocean plate and heading it towards a trench in a subduction zone off the coast of the Pacific Northwest, hang with me, and we've got this massive Icelandic island riding like a huge chocolate gumdrop on this tectonic ocean plate. What's going to happen to that huge island as it approaches the trench? Hell, if the if the deep-sea sediment didn't go down the tubes, it... it a, a, An island this big is certainly not going to go down the tubes as well. And that's exactly what happened. We're going to take a pre-made, decent-sized piece of land and transfer it from an ocean plate to a continental plate. Wow. This is a process called accretion. This is a massive piece of land that we're going to call an exotic terrain because it's made elsewhere and then added to North America after the fact. And that 56-million-year-old Icelandic mountain or island called Silesia is going to get accreted to the west coast of Washington and Oregon roughly 50 million years ago. Built 56, added 50. And you're like, where can I find the basalt from selezia today? And the answer is, everywhere west of the crest of the Cascades. <laughs> All of Washington and Oregon, west of the crest of the Cascades, has selezia basalt in the subsurface and in a few places at the surface. As I just described, Hurricane Ridge of Olympic National Park above Port Angeles, that's part of Silesia. The basalt near Hood River, uh, Hood Canal, excuse me, the basalt near Hood Canal, near Bremerton, Squim, down to Olympia, the Black Hills of, I'm more familiar with Washington than Oregon, forgive me. But there are beautiful maps now of these exposures of all this Celestia basalt. But the bigger point is that if you get into the subsurface, think of the size of that island that's brought in. And it's mostly making up the subsurface of western Washington and western Oregon. Now, I didn't know about Cilicia or that massive amount of material accreted until 15 years ago. So, looking back, my early Olympic Peninsula lectures were pretty lame. And the uh, the uh, lingering effects of that accretion of such a large piece of land onto the edge of the, Olymp- of the Pacific Northwest will be the topic of uh, a couple of episodes coming involving gold, involving blue agates, involving a lot of interesting things. It's all tied to that really dramatic addition of Silesia to the Pacific Northwest. So, to sum up, the Olympic Peninsula is this Ciletsia accretion and then a bunch of this gradual scraping of uh, deep-sea sediment onto the edge of North America. All the while, we never have a cone volcano exploding. We never have an eruption of magma at the Olympic Peninsula. That has never happened, nor will it ever happen. If you're freaked out about Cascade volcanoes and lahars and everything else, move to the Olympic Peninsula. There is no problem with volcanic activity on the Olympic Peninsula anytime in the future. Well, that's my attempt to not only talk about uh, relatively low-key stuff with the Olympic Peninsula... But that Ciletsia accretion is a big deal for a number of reasons that you'll see in the next few episodes of the Nick Sentner Geology Podcast. And I think that's what we're doing right now. Conveniently, I'm Nick Sentner, and thank you for listening to this episode. Goodbye.